All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast on the Overtime Media Network. We're broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. And we are coming at you with Week 10, a Week 10 game-by-game breakdown for FanDuel and DraftKings. Going to be talking about the main slate here. We covered cash game picks in our podcast from yesterday. So go check that out. We broke it down position by position like we always do. Rolling through, we talked some Lamar Jackson, McCaffrey, some running backs. Uh, we, talk, we talked a little bit about the high-priced wide receivers, though we're going to get more into that uh, on this podcast here. Um, so we broke all that down, so go check that out. If we nod to those guys, then um, and, and don't spend a ton of time on them. You'll know why. We talked about it ad nauseum yesterday. Week 10 is lining up to be, I think, a kind of a weird week, right? Like We got, kind of mentioned this in the podcast yesterday, but I, I have a feeling ownerships are going to be, outside of a couple of guys, could you see ownership just being kind of all over the place this week? And famous last words, because sometimes I just don't do a phenomenal job of. We use Fanshare a lot for this, and they're great, but um, even they, even at times, it's kind of hard to get a, a lock on this ownership thing. I, I well, can sometimes see owner- even Fanshare will suggest that like ownership is going to be all over, right? Like if there's just no one over forty percent projected ownership or something like that, you can be rest pretty assured that it's going to be a pretty much an S show, as we like to say. Whoa, nice job saving us from the uh, explicit yeah. tag on that. Have come hey, close. I, don't, I don't want to embarrass the people over at the Vivid Seats or the Overtime Media Network, you know. Or my bookie, all of the sponsors. Yeah, we're going to get into all <laughs> yeah, of them. Yeah, none of those great guys. <laughs> awesome people. It's actually mostly, a- money. <laughs> it's mostly Apple that I don't want to fall on the wrong side of. Like the other people, the, the, the sponsors, I don't know if they care that much. Apple, you don't want to get that explicit tag. I feel like that can be the death knell mm. if you're the, going for the wrong audience. Either way. All right, we're going to go through this game by game. Talk about some of the injury stuff. There are some injury pieces that are cropping up over the course of the week. Uh, and then we'll talk about some players that are coming back. So there's a lot to get into. Uh, we'll roll through a game by game. Like I said, we're covering mostly, or excuse me, only just the the main slate here. There are six teams on buys. And we're going to kind of avoid the Thursday and Sunday night and Monday night games. First game we have is the Cardinals and the Bucks. This game started at minus six in favor of the Bucks at home. is now dropped to minus four and a half. It's come down evenly on both sides. Um, was well, so not evenly. It's come down more on the buck side. Uh, the over/under down from 54 now to 52. Uh, I I mentioned yesterday about like sort of not understanding, or not that's the wrong, understanding is the wrong word. Not trusting the Bucks wide receiver tandem in Godwin and Evans. Though you made a great point that maybe it just is Evans now, and I think you were correct. I, I think that the I wonder if the Godwin preseason hype and some of his big games had just like seeped too much into my brain space. And I hadn't really recognized how great Evans had been has been over the short term. Like I think, that, is he just a cash game play? His targets are insane over the last four weeks. I, I shouldn't sound surprised by this. I'm doing a podcast multiple days and running a whole projection system for football. It's, I know it's not. It's kind of a incredible self own to be sort of surprised by this. But is Evans just the cash game play here this week? Are we too low in his projection? I'm wondering. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends what we have him for targets for, and I don't have that up in the moment. But it's always it always feels a little bit like smoke and mirrors when a guy's putting up like a 17-target game. You know, we've talked about how oftentimes that's just a endemic of one great matchup or a very bizarre game script or somebody else being hurt. But the fact that he's cleared 12 targets in three straight games, he now has three 15 or more target games on the season. I don't think you can just start the day by penciling him in for 15 targets, but... I think you can start by penciling him in for 12. I mean, if everything goes normally, that's about what you'd expect, right? Or maybe like 11. And I think we don't normally go that high with our numbers, but I do think that's reasonable. I think the big question as to whether he's a cash game player or not is 
you know, as you compare him up against some of these other options in a similar price tier, uh, like the top overall guy on Fanshare Buzz right now is Michael Thomas. And that one to me probably makes a little bit more sense in cash if you're up in this price tier simply because the targets are there every single week for Thomas. And he has an all-world matchup against an Atlanta team who ranks last in the NFL in DVOA against the pass. So I think I would suspect that just based on Fanshare is putting out there and what we have internally on our side and I think we're not going to be the only ones with some slight reservations there I think that you'll see Thomas with higher ownership but yes I could absolutely I could consider Evans and I wouldn't shy away from it if that's where our system was pointing us we have him at 10 and a half targets right now uh, oh excuse me we have him at 11 targets right now um, yeah over over the course of the season Evans is second overall in yards uh, tied for first in touchdowns and it's worth noting here, and this is actually probably some the reason I have some reservation about him. He has a zero catch, three target game he on does. this re- on this yeah. game log. Like, so if you look at, if you look down his game log, I'm not looking at it this way, but if you look down, like if you go to like a major site like ESPN and look down his game log, you'll be like, well, why did he only play seven games? The Bucks played eight. You're like, oh, that's because he just had a game with no stats. Like, they don't count the targets as part of like a game played for you. <laughs> like they don't they don't count that he played. And so yeah. that's if you bad. if you so if you go like if you go back that he took an entire game off. Like, his per-game numbers are easily the best in the league right now. Like, um, excuse me, if you, knock, if you knock that game, if you just assume he didn't play that game, but the problem is he did play that game. So when you, when you if you cut, like, Michael Thomas doesn't have a three-target, zero-catch day on his hand. You know, does that make sense what I'm saying? Like, this no. is my reservation, even though the rest of the targets are absolutely freaking insane. So that's the reason I don't want to be bullish on him. It's just, honestly the reason I don't even want to be, like, like even 11 targets feels like too many. I don't want to make this the whole podcast about Mike Evans, but like 11 targets almost feels like too many because he has this one game. Am I overweighting or underweighting this one game too much for for Mike Evans? Yeah, I think that's a great take pretty much. I mean, I think, again, you won't be probably able to play both. It is tough, though, man. I mean, Mike Evans will be one of the more obvious big tournament plays because Arizona is no bad matchup in its own right, right? I mean, they've allowed... I think it's the yeah fifth worst DVOA against the pass this season. Obviously playing a big-time pace like we've talked about many times so far. And uh, when you combine bad DVOA with a lot of uh, opposing plays, that is a recipe for big-time fantasy success too. So, yeah, it's a, it'll be a funny one to watch. What about Ronald Jones? He's 4,300 on DraftKings this week. He last week had 18 carries and two targets. He had 42 of the running back snaps, 42 to 11 over Peyton Barber. They are big favorite. They're nice favorites here. Like I said, four and a half. That's right in the sort of the zone where we want to be in Vegas in terms of running backs. Should we maybe have written up Ronald Jones as a cash game play, specifically on DraftKings? Like, are you willing to maybe are you willing to trust the Bucks running back like system in a in a place where you just never really trusted running backs from this team? But I don't know. I, those carries and the and the snap counts does make it feel like he's the guy, and he was pretty effective in the game. Yeah, so the problem with Jones, I mean, he's basically just a poor man's Marlon Mack or something like that where he can get all the carries he wants and that doesn't really make him that much more fantasy viable. You know, we've seen that the touchdowns on this team are by and large coming out of the passing game and Peyton Barber's still lurking. I mean, yeah, it it came together last week where Jones really had the overwhelming touch total, but basically every other week, I mean, Peyton Barber's been between 8, 13, 10, you know, in that kind of carry range. And yes, he was very bad against Tennessee, and I think that's some of why Jones moved into a bigger role against Seattle. But I think that you're still kind of speculating by running him out there here. Uh, Arizona's just so bad against the pass. Tampa Bay is so good at passing the football that I think he could be the main guy and still potentially not be worth it. Now, of course, Price plays a trick on your mind. I don't think you're suggesting we play him on FanDuel at 6,300, but yeah, at 4,300, 
it's at least a consideration. I don't know if I would run away from the play, especially given the trends in the snap count, but I'm certainly not going to go out of my way to like prioritize him because running backs that don't catch balls too just tend to have a lot less value on DraftKings in general. Um, on the Cardinals side of the ball here, it looks like they're going to get David Johnson back after Chase Edmonds kind of filled in for a little bit. Then they had Kenyon Drake come and fill in. Chase Edmonds is out. David Johnson looks like he's going to play, but Kenyon Drake is still there and looked like he fit like the scheme of what they were trying to accomplish well or well enough, I guess, for you know the pass catching sort of every down back. Does that cut it? That plus the David Johnson injury, is that enough to sort of knock Johnson out of consideration here? He had been filling up like that every down back-ish kind of guy over the course of the season. I don't know if the Drake being there um, and, and the injury, like where we land on David Johnson, I, I kind of don't – I don't even see – I'm not even totally seeing it for tournaments, I don't think. Yeah, well, they're they're tempting you on the price. Uh, 6800 is is a nice price for David Johnson. And it's been a combination of performance and opportunity for him you know, issues on both of those sides already and introducing another running back obviously is a little bit problematic, right? Because Arizona went out and did that for some kind of reason. So yeah, I don't think you need to rush him back out there in what amounts to probably his first game where he's not starting off playing, you know, next to no snaps. So yeah, I, I think I can fade him this week. I don't feel I certainly don't feel the need to be a week early on it. We did talk about Kyler Murray as an acceptable pivot off of Lamar Jackson in cash. I, Lamar pretty much a bust for us, but I don't mind Murray. I actually don't. I really like him as a tournament play. If you're stacking, maybe maybe you go the wide receivers here. Like if you think the game gets really uh, high scoring, the Tampa Bay wide receivers, uh, one or two of them, and then you go Kyler and like Christian Kirk or something like that at like Kirk's target share overall. So uh, I don't mind that as a play. I don't think I'm, I'm not going to want to ultimately do it for cash, but. Uh, Kyler Murray has run into a sort of a buzzsaw of defenses over the, and some weird luck over the short term. I think he has a big game or two left in him over the course of this season. All right, let's keep rolling. KC goes in and plays Tennessee. There, there was no line to start here because they were waiting on the Mahomes news, but now uh, with all you have to see is KC on the road at five and a half point favorites with a 48 and a half total to know that Mahomes is projected to play in this game mm-hmm. uh, with KC having not the highest, but one of the highest implied totals at 27. Where do we want to, how high do we want to take the, we've kind of dusted them back down with Matt Moore around. Are we willing to go full bore with the KC guys like Tyreek Hill? We mentioned uh, Travis Kelsey at length on the the podcast yesterday, but are we all right with guys like Tyreek Hill? Uh, And then Damian Williams was basically the only running back for them last week, but that was with Matt Moore around. Like I'm a little, I'm a little weirded out to like figure out what to do with kind of what to do with the KC guys with Mahomes, like if they're just if they're willing to say, hey, we're like you know, foot on the gas, here we go, we're all back in on this thing. Yeah, so I think on a basic level, Hill was already pretty expensive for his production, even with Mahomes around. I think obviously he's always going to be an interesting big tournament pairing with Mahomes. Uh, but I do think Kelsey. We talked about him yesterday, but I think he's still pretty much the automatic play at tight end for me. I just don't know what else you're really. Again, in the old, what are you getting away with category? I don't. I don't think you're really getting away with much by playing Mahomes himself. Uh, he's still very expensive, just as expensive as other guys who don't have any health question marks in better matchups, arguably. So I don't think you're going to play Mahomes and Hill. Sure, you're not going to play him in cash, right? I mean, again, even when Mahomes was there, he wasn't necessarily, you know, just punching the clock as an eight thousand dollar receiver every single week. So uh, unfortunately, I think Casey, very exciting real life offense with Mahomes back. I think for DFS purposes, unless you have a crystal ball and you know whether it's going to be Hill, Watkins, or Hardman, or whatever, then uh, or Demarcus Robinson, <laughs> then then you can pick one of those guys. But yeah, for cash, I think it's Kelsey and just about nothing else. 
Uh, I just mentioned Ronald Jones at 4,300. Damian Williams is 4,900 on DraftKings. Um, like I said, he outsnapped McCoy last week 43 to 6. Uh, Daryl Williams had 11, had 11 snaps as well. So it went 43 Dar Damian Williams, 11 Daryl Williams, 6 McCoy. That, that's the clear favorite as Damian Williams here. At 4,900, how tempting is that price um, if he's just going to go kind of be back to what people suspected he was going to be at the beginning of the year, which is like an every down sort of back for KC, is one game enough to kind of point you in that direction? Because that 4,900 on DraftKings looks pretty tempting as well. Uh, yeah, again, I don't know. When I'm trying to build a cash game lineup, my general goal is to target you know new opportunity guys or, or filling into a, a role that we didn't expect them to when the price was set, or guys that are just a raw value, a sort of raw high floor value, already and then we can build upon like if Damian Williams were already being pretty good and then you saw this snap count push in his direction that I would be all about it but the fact that he really wasn't and the, both the performance and the opportunity have seriously come and gone on this guy it just seems like it could be just at the whim of Andy Reid whatever he decides who going into Sunday and that's not really where I want to be for cash I mean 4900 sounds all cheap and that's fine but if he does you know what he did even in some of these weeks where he had more touches and scores you know seven nine fantasy points you're going to be pretty disappointed so i don't mind it for big tournaments again for cash i would be very gun shy here yeah that makes sense to me um like i sometimes i get uh, sometimes i want to sometimes the snap count thing is telling sometimes it's just a game script sort of thing like again the, the team was totally different because they had just a totally different quarterback so uh, I, I think i think you can talk yourself into 4900 I'm, I'm with you that it'd be tough it'd be a tough pull from a cash game perspective. Any interest here in the Titans game at all? Derrick Henry, the passing game. I feel like the passing guys have just come and gone here, and not, Tennessee's just never been able to produce anything from the passing game. doesn't matter who the quarterback is, who the new players are. It just feels like just the same. I feel like we've been doing this podcast for like five years. I feel like it's been the same exact story for all five <laughs> years with Tennessee. I, like I could Tell me if I'm wrong, but I mean, this is – this team just nah. seems, it's like so we have played Mar We have played Mar Mariota a few times on DraftKings. I do remember that uh, barely in the deep recesses of my memory. But yeah, there's there's no exciting fantasy plays here. And in a big game-by-game -game podcast, Doug, we can probably go on and grab the next one. Bills go in and play Cleveland. Cleveland is, this game started as them a two-point home favorites up to two and a half. I'm going to get to my okay. bookie. I'm going to get to my bookie in a second here. Um, but we have the news and notes from this game. We did cover Devin Singletary sort of at length as a cash game play because the way that the Bills just used him in week nine as essentially their every down back, though Frank Gore did get a couple carries. Thankfully, Gore, like we said yesterday, was pretty ineffective. I think that just only helps Singletary's case. So that's that's on the Bills side. We'll talk to Allen and maybe some of the receivers here in a second. And then the Browns are going to get Kareem Hunt back this week. Um, they've said, Freddie Kitchens has said he's going to have some usage. How much does that just one name, and this guy coming back around. Want like, do we have to just ding Nick Chubb and just kind of wait and see here? It's a home, their home favorites. I guess like it helps that the the overall total is low. But what does Hunt coming back do for Chubb's projection? Yeah, I mean it certainly lowers it slightly, and for at least for me, it puts him in the category of guys I just have no need to play because <laughs> it's not like he's. It's like Chubb was one of those guys at just around eight thousand. He's averaged 18 fantasy point, 17 fantasy points a game this season. Because there's some weeks, doesn't get there others. Um, mostly his value comes from opportunity in the running game. You know, sometimes he has five targets. He can also have one, depending on the game script. So Chubb already sort of unexciting from a DFS perspective for me. And adding Kareem Hunt into the mix only makes it more so. Also, Buffalo, you know, they've been getting by this season on being a, you know, top half of the league defense. They're not 
necessarily a great defense or anything, but they're not a slouch either. So I don't see any reason to jam Chubb here. Uh, on the pass catching side for either team, we have played John Brown in the past. There's been some wind issues in Buffalo that's maybe like sort of near the end made us kind of steer, stay away from that. That doesn't seem like it's going to be the case here in Cleveland. Any interest in going back to John Brown uh, in cash games is Allen's number one receiver. And then any interest at all in like the Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry crew. I could conceive of playing Brown. I mean, his price came down um, in spite of still having a, a pretty reassuring target week given the tough weather that he was facing, you know, 30-mile-an-hour gusting winds and whatever else. That being said, it's not super exciting. I mean, I think you know what you're getting out of John Brown right now, which is that seven to eight targets. You know, obviously, if you're comparing him apples to apples to other cheap guys like DJ Moore, you're going to pretty obviously go in that direction. Moore, literally the exact same price, was chalk last week and, and lit it up in terms of both targets and yards. So I think you have a pretty obvious play there. But sure, if you're starting to stack up these super cheap wide receivers – then John Brown can be in that mix. All right. Uh, let's talk about a sponsor here real quick, mybookie.ag. Uh, this is the site that James and I use when we're putting in bets on the game. Uh, James, you mentioned yesterday as just loving the Buffalo side of this, like get Buffalo getting points against this Cleveland team. Are you still have? Are, are you still fully on this bet um, in terms of just like why the hell are they favorites here? Are you? Uh, is this a mybookie.ag lock of the week? Are you willing to call it that? It's pretty close. I mean, the case against Buffalo, just from a betting perspective, is that they haven't been as good as their record, right? I mean, they're a bottom seven team in offensive DVOA. Like I said, roughly league average defense. And that's all well and good. You know, I I can certainly hear those things. Except the thing about Cleveland is they're worse in both. Well, they're much worse offensively. They're ranked 22nd in the, or I'm sorry, defensively. They rank 22nd in the league in, in defensive DVOA. And then they're basically the same offensive team. So I don't, see why Cleveland is better than Buffalo, I guess. Not only are they worse at winning games, they're worse uh, in the underlying metrics too. I, I wonder if there's still some hangover here of Cleveland being sort of a public team coming into the season. I don't get it. Yes, I, I'm still happy to hammer the Buffalo side here. All right, so mybookie.ag is where you got to go. If you like the if you like that side of the game, I definitely hear it. It's a, I feel like it's a weird, sort of a weird line, just the way Cleveland has gone. You got to go over to mybookie.ag, use the promo code OVERTIME. That's O V E R T I. M-E, they're going to match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. So it's slightly different than what we've been talking about in the podcast uh, up until this point. It's a new deal. You deposit uh, up to $1,000, they're going to match it halfway. So easy math there. 1000 divided by 2 is 500 That's a $500 matching bonus uh, up to 1000 like I said. So use that promo code overtime, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. You're not going to find many better deals than that in just in terms of sort of giving away free money in, on a deposit up to that number. So Use the promo code overtime, mybookie.ag. You like that Cleve, excuse me, you like that Buffalo two and a half. Uh, I can feel it too. That's where you got to get that bet in. All right, we're going to keep rolling. Uh, excuse me, Baltimore goes in and plays the Bengals. They are 10 point road favorites, which is just tells you where these two teams land. When they're getting this kind of number on, on a road team, it's just, uh, it just tells you the whole story about what kind of the, where the season has gone for, <laughs> for each one of these two teams. The Bengals are going to start Ryan Finley at quarterback. This is just a brand new see what we have kind of move moving away from Andy Dalton. AJ Green had originally been projected to play, but now actually looks like he's had a minor setback, so it doesn't look like he's going to be out there. And we talked a ton about Lamar Jackson yesterday as just being our clear lock play. Anything else to take from this game? One of the things I I wanted to bring up, I guess, with Cincinnati is even with a lowered expectation on their targets. 
Guys like Eifert and Tyler Boyd are still creeping around cash games just because of their overall season stats. And I have had get downward guidance on some of this this stuff. Are we worried about it all? Eifert, we talked a little bit about him yesterday, and Boyd with just a completely brand new quarterback against a pretty good defense in Baltimore. Yeah, so I wouldn't want to play Boyd with your money, Doug. I don't think that's a good play at all. Uh, if Dalton were still there, I think you could consider it. But even then, you know, he got shut down. Uh, he had seven targets for three catches and 10 yards against Baltimore just a month ago when these two teams played. So I don't think you would want to go in that direction. Uh, in terms of Eifert, you know, I've kind of waffled back and forth. It is a good value, and it is a really, really tough position. But he also couldn't get anything done against Baltimore in their last meeting. So, yeah, 5000 is an attractive price tag. But... You know, sometimes new quarterbacks come in and they just throw the ball like 15 times. Like, right. you just don't really know what's going to happen. So I think, you know, all things coming together, I don't know if I would want to, you know, I, I'm hoping for cash games, I'm hoping to be really picky, right? And I know you can't always do this. And this is where the art of forming cash game lineups comes down to. But a play like Eifert, even if he is cheap, he'll still be cheap next week. And I, I guess like where I've eventually landed is, I don't feel a need to be a week early there, especially given that we have, a really good situation, which is very uncommon for the position, uh, going with Kelsey with his quarter, his superstar quarterback coming back, right? So instead of taking Eifert with a new, potentially just as bad or even worse quarterback, I'll take Eifert with the better guy, and I'll understand that I have to pay more for it. We talked about Lamar Jackson on the Baltimore side. I'm wondering your thoughts, how many people are going to want to get in on like someone like Mark Ingram for cash games. Hmm. Uh, Ingram, I'm, I'm just always worried about the snap counts. Like last week, the, uh, I had it right in front of me, and I just toggled away from it. Yeah, last week, Ingram uh, had against the Patriots. He had, saw 31 snaps to Gus Edwards' 28. He outcarried him 15-7, to 7, so Gus Edwards is more in there on like blocking down, just in there sort of to block more than Ingram is. But the 15 carries and three targets for Ingram or Ingram are decent is decent usage overall, and this is an excellent matchup here. I'm worried about the snaps, but I don't know if you think people are going to end up talking themselves into Ingram here just because the matchup is so choice. Yeah, they might. I also worry about the snaps and just the opportunity in general, frankly. Uh, that game against New England should have had Mark Ingram's name all over it, right? I mean, they're up. They want to preserve a lead against uh, an electric offense. They want to really slow things down. Uh, via the run game, run down the clock, and he still only touched the ball 18 times. And at an $8,000 price tag, that's just not what I'm in the market for. You know, in the last, like, you have to go back, let's see here. Okay, two games this whole season, Ingram has touched the ball 20 times or more. Does that sound like an $8,000 running back to you? Because no. it sure doesn't to me, and I, I am not going to play. And he, he also just doesn't really do anything in the passing game either. It's not like, you know, like a Jalen Samuels week last week where he got 13 targets. Max targets on the season is four. I think... Ingram is not even playable in cash games. Yeah, the price continually stays high. He does have touchdown equity, which helps him. I, I think that's just kind of what cool. keeps. Well, okay, geez, you don't have to be dismissive. Don't have to be yeah, man. <laughs> you don't have to be mean about it. He does. He ranks fourth overall in touchdowns. I guess. Well, my point is that's the reason the price continues to stay up there, even though the usage isn't there. And that's I'm I'm taking the long way to agree with you, and that I don't want a guy whose value is wrapped up almost completely in the touchdown. It's not completely in the touchdown, but the guys that the the other players that he's around in terms of rushing touchdowns, he has so many fewer uh, carries than these guys, except for like Aaron Jones, who has he's eight and he's been another run hot guy. The other guys are like Cook and McCaffrey and Zeke and even Derrick Henry um, have just forty you know forty to fifty more carries on the season. So I, I don't want a guy whose price is wrapped up almost no. solely in, in the touchdown. It just feels like the wrong place to be. 
Giants go in and play the Jets in uh, a game that New York will care about and almost nobody else. Uh, these two teams seem like <laughs> just, uh, told, just uh, the Jets just got lost to a Miami team that wanted no business winning any games, and they lost to the Jets. Or the Jets lost to them. So that tells you pretty much all you need to know about their, store, their season. The Giants um, can't really figure out if they're coming or going. But the, there is some injury news stuff that I'm wondering your opinion on. First, Sterling Shepard, he is not going to play. He's been, he's had so many concussions this year, and like it's looking really bad for him. He might never play football again. Yeah. He's seeing a, he's seeing a concussion specialist. But also, it looks like Evan Ingram is not going to play either, and that's a lot of tar- that's a lot of projected targets out of the lineup now. If Ingram weren't the play, the Ingram is considered week to week. That to me says he's not playing. So I'm wondering on one what that does to guys like Golden Tate and Saquon Barkley's projections. And then we have like Red Ellison. If we're, ta- if we're just trying to shoot the I don't know, shoot, <laughs> shoot the total punt kind of guy uh, at a tight end, Red Ellison is twenty five hundred on DraftKings this week. Is that enough? Like, op- I don't know. Where do you land here? Because that, all of a sudden the Giants have a bad team, but they're playing a bad team, and all of a sudden there potentially are a lot of targets out there to sort of go around. Yeah, Ellison sort of checks the boxes for me in terms of tight end plays I could be interested in at the very minimum price uh, because for two reasons. First of all, he's already been involved in the team's offense. Like you look down the game log and it's not exciting, you know, five targets, two targets, two targets, seven targets against New England, but at least he's out there, right? We, we at least know that Jones knows his name and probably his number and has thrown him the ball before. That actually, like that, that sounds like a silly distinction, but it does mean something. And then the second piece is that this offense certainly relies on leaning on the tight end already, right? I mean, we've seen Engram uh, be a pretty significant portion of the offensive target share in a week-in, week-out basis. And that those, that target share does have to go somewhere. Uh, some of that can go to Golden Tate, but with the types of balls that Jones is comfortable throwing, you have to think that some of that's still going to get redirected to the tight end. Uh, I don't know if you need to do it for 5000 on FanDuel. I still think that paying up for Kelsey just makes perfect sense there on DraftKings where you can start getting in those super super low prices where all of a sudden Ellison is like a third the price of Kelsey I think you can start to think about it so uh, I guess my answer is could do it on DraftKings I don't want to do it on FanDuel it's crazy right now because I made that update earlier in the day and just hadn't pushed it live Ellison is in our top overall DraftKings lineup and it frees up enough to play Evans, Julio Jones, and Devontae Adams in your lineup. Not, not, to, yeah, say, that's, not to say that that's where it's going to ultimately land because I just there's too much changes. I guess it more points to the when you take massive savings at a tight end position like this, then all of a sudden you can really start talking yourself. And this is with Lamar Jackson too. You can start talking yourself into some really high-priced plays, especially with a guy like Singletary around because now you're already saving in one spot. Now you really save in another and there's some work. To, I don't know. There's just there's a lot of ways to take it. Oh, we are, we're also featuring the Giants defense. Good Lord. Uh, as a play at twenty eight hundred on DraftKings as a possible cash game defense. I don't mind it. The Jets are a mess. The Jets side. Um, actually, I don't mind Golden Tate here from just like a high volume sort of guy. And we mentioned Barkley as just being possibly just a bounce back candidate here. They've had no problem running him into the ground in meaningless games. This is a meaningless game, too. And that doesn't hasn't seemed to stop them in the past. On the Jet side, Le'Veon Bell got his knee scoped, um, or not scoped, got it checked, and it looks like it came back clean, but it's unclear about whether he's going to play or not. This is probably a situation we're going to want to monitor. He's had outsized touches, but Ty Montgomery is sort of lurking there, I suppose, if uh, Bell couldn't play. We'll wait to hear on that one. Any interest in any of these Jets guys? Crowder had nine targets last week, caught eight for 83 and a touchdown. Giants secondary is bad. Um, any interest, just no, mostly just because of the Giants here and Crowder's, that's just, a, it all kind of came in the first drive, I will say, um, the Crowder game here, uh, but the, any interest here at all in the Jets and what would happen here if Bell were to sit? 
Crowder has my attention mostly for big tournaments and mostly because of the first game of the season against Buffalo where he had 17 targets. Uh, since then, obviously, Darnold's been coming and going, but it hasn't always been there even with Darnold under center. So uh, it's reassuring to see him go back up to nine targets. At 6,500, you know, there are better plays for my money just in a straight-up points perspective that are cheaper, like DJ Moore. So I, I really have a hard time imagining Crowder uh, clearing that initial or that eventual threshold and otherwise, the Jets are just a dumpster fire. I, I mean, I could play Le'Veon Bell again. I wrote him up for cash games this week. I still think the opportunity is there, and they're super heavily leaning on him. The knee injury does give me pause because I don't like, you know, it's cool that they're saying there's no structural damage in the MRI, but, like, the fact that they needed to get an MRI to reassure me that there's no structural damage is not very reassuring for his prospects. And the fact that he's, you know, quote-unquote pretty sore, uh, is what Adam Gase said, is not, again, not super reassuring. So I could consider Bell. I'm going to want something like a clean bill of health in order to do so. And otherwise, no, I'm not playing any more Jets. I don't think you're going to get the clean bill of health. A, I have no interest really in playing him personally. There's... Yeah, I think I, we can move fast. Bilal Powell and Ty Montgomery. I, I, I'm just going to make one correction. Bilal Powell had the second most snaps uh, and then Ty Montgomery last week. So I think even then we might be looking at a timeshare uh, even if Bell were to sit. Before we get to the next games, Vivid Seats is our other sponsor. It's a, really the only seating app you need to have if you are buying tickets to go to a football game. Look, we're, I'm, we're from the Jersey area. If you wanted to go to the Gi- Giants, I have a ton of Giants and Jets fans in my life. Uh, this is Now is the time to get tickets if you're kind of Jones and just to go to a football game uh, and not really necessarily caring so much about the competition on the field. Though it could still be an exciting game. Vivid Seats is where you have to go to get those tickets. You use the promo code OVERTIME. They are going to give you a discount up to $100 off your first purchase if you're a first-time customer. So that's one. They'll also automatically enroll you into the rewards program, which is going to give you points back on later purchases. So the more you use the app, the more you save. Vivid Seats, you use the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, and you're all set. Buying tickets is an absolute and total hassle, but Vivid Seats makes it so easy. You go in there, you log in, you see the game. They'll show you a picture of exactly what it looks like from the seat. It's perfect. So Vivid Seats, go check it out. Download the app and you're off to the game. All right, the next game we have is the Saints are going to host the Falcons. Falcons are a total disaster. Uh, traded away Sanu, coming off a bye. Matt Ryan's probably going to play, but who knows. Th- this game started at minus 11.5. It's up to minus 13 in favor of the Saints. Looks like they're going to get Kamara back. Looks like they're going to get Traquan Smith back. Teddy Ginn is fully healthy now. Everyone being healthy. Breeze, obviously, is fully back. He came back before the bye. Everyone being healthy, what does that do like Michael Thomas, when he was the only game in town, sort of it was like a Latavius Murray, Michael Thomas show. Those are the only two guys. I'm a little mm-hmm. concerned. I mean, should I be concerned or should we just, just say, look, this is the fully healthy team that just has lots of ways they can go with the ball. And we just don't need to play Michael Thomas because of that. Or has he just been so good? Because this guy like leads the league in yards basically for the entire season. Where do we stand with Michael Thomas? Because his opportunity is not one for one. Like, like, for instance, Tampa Bay's opportunity has basically been the same all year. All the guys have basically played. This is not the same situation with the Saints uh, in terms of usage. Like, it's almost like it's almost like an on-court, off-court thing like we use with NBA. Where do you stand here with Thomas? Yeah, so I hear all that when it comes to Thomas. But what I've seen is that it doesn't really matter what factors are moving around him in terms of his own opportunity, right? Like, it didn't matter if it was Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Brees or Traquan Smith is healthy or Alvin Kamara is healthy. Throughout the whole course of the season, there were two games where he had fewer than 11 targets. And even in those games, he was still totally serviceable, uh, especially on DraftKings on a PPR basis. Because the thing with Thomas is he just turns every target into a catch. And that's obviously overstating things slightly, but 
he has to be the highest floor wide receiver in the game. And I could see an argument against it if he was going up against, say, like Chicago or Carolina or one of these teams that actually has a good defense. The fact that he's facing the very worst passing defense in the NFL, I think, has to erase all of those other concerns. So, yeah, Kamara could come back. I don't think Kamara is going to step right back into 25 touches a game. You know, Traquan Smith or Ted Ginn or these other guys, they're just ancillary pieces that, you know, Breeze can take advantage of if the other team just goes all out trying to shut down Thomas. But they're pretty replaceable when it comes to the other guys that we're filling in for them, right? So I think that Thomas is still a great play. No reservations playing him in any format. Yeah, Thomas's 82% completion or uh, target, uh, target percent, excuse me. His uh, conversion rate. Conversion yeah. rate. My God, I, I almost took a break to get that word right. I, I'm totally <laughs> flustered. I just couldn't. I couldn't pull that out. Man, Hang in there, buddy. Terrible. His 82% conversion rate uh, with the 89 targets is easily the best in the league among anyone close to this target. The only one that's even close to him in terms of percentages is Tyler Lockett, but he has 17 fewer targets on the season. So, I mean, you want to figure you give Tyler Lockett 17 more targets and it would not be 82%. Uh, that's I could be wrong about that. And Russell Wilson's awesome, but so it just goes to show you this Thomas thing is is great on basically every factor. Frankly, the fact that he only has four touchdowns on the season based on how great he's been and how consistent he is all over the field does ultimately seem low to me, uh, honestly. It, should see, it feels like he should have way more touchdowns just by how consistent he's been. So if anything, maybe he's just underpriced because the touchdowns haven't fully got there. Like a, sort of on the opposite of the Mark Ingram thing, right? Like his price might be boring. His price might be low because he just should have two more touchdowns on the season than he does. So, yeah, I think you talked me into it. I think if we saw Michael Thomas on the correct amount of – the correct amount of targets uh, showing up in cash games. There's obviously worse ways to go. I'm totally with you on Kamara. No interest uh, in figuring out what they're uh, – you can't think they're going to be anything but very cautious with him. Uh, and then we talked about Julio Jones on the Falcon side. You want to roster Matt Ryan in a game where you know he, Matt Ryan's still been good from a fantasy perspective outside of the interceptions. Uh, it's just that the rest of the team's so bad, and, and so is the <laughs> the defense is pretty bad too. Uh, so I don't I don't think I really want much outside of maybe Julio Jones here. Uh, any other mm-hmm. thoughts here on the Fal- any other thoughts on the Falcons like you know Calvin Ridley with no Sanu, uh, Russell Gage, guys like this, uh, or just too bad of a matchup. Yeah, Ridley interesting for big tournaments for me. I think some people will dip into that for cash. He's very cheap on FanDuel at 5,300. Not a great matchup against New Orleans, but you know, getting a guy who was already getting six to seven targets a game with presumably greater target share coming with no Sanu, I, I do think that's worth something. But yeah, for my cash game lineups, I, I wouldn't want to start there. I, I think if I ultimately had to do it, I could. But yeah, like I said, it's it's not something I'm anywhere near going to prioritize. All right, a team that I have not gotten a single thing right on all year, the Lions go in and face the Bears. I can't think of a team that I've just been, God, wrong about. Just going we played that, Kenny Galladay that one week that when one he was one week. Gone. That's right. We played that him that one week. I feel like... <laughs> like that's the only thing that I feel we like played him week him. one too actually and he wasn't good that week but yes we did have him in the one good game against the Giants I just don't uh, I need to be talked about the let I me mean, thankfully they're just playing the Bears this week and there's a super low total that yeah. it's a Bears minus two and a half at home with a 41 and a half over under so I think that probably just solves the problem and we can probably just move on but is there a more flummoxing team for you personally? I, I, am I speaking for am I speaking for the DFSR as a writ large here, or am I, um, or is it just myself? Because I am, I feel totally cl- Ty Johnson. You know, he doesn't even start when everyone plays him. Like I just don't have a single clue. What, I don't have a single clue what the Lions are doing here. Yeah, the Lions disgust me in particular because, like, the fact that like I wouldn't care, right? I, you know, these things come and go. These sort of situations, but the fact that Marvin Jones was fifty percent owning cash coming off of a week where he had five targets in a great matchup against the Giants, and then marched out there and had eight catches for 126 yards and a touchdown. 
I might never forget that, Doug. That like that that scarred me on such a deep and personal level that it seemed like such a bad play, and then it was so highly owned, and then he wound up being good. I, I just don't know what to do with that. It makes me wonder if I know anything at all about this. And you know, our record on the season would indicate that we do know something about it. But that that really that, I find that really unsettling. Like almost like a, like a dream where you wake up in the future and people don't know your name or something like that. Like I was just like, what? did I miss something completely? I, I did this like panic sweat check when I saw him winning tournaments and I was like, did we just miss? And I was like, oh, we had him at six targets. That's embarrassing. And I was like, oh, it was the exact right number. <laughs> He's at five, 13, five, five. Like right. this was a perfect number and people are, you know, people just get there. So yes, I, I too am flummoxed by the Lions. I'm not going to play any against Chicago. Hopefully no one else does either just because if, if they do and they're good again, then I might just have to quit altogether. Whoa, he said it's a challenge play that James yeah. is just going to quit. Okay, well, that would be tough to see. I'm, I'm thinking about it. I didn't say I'm going to quit, but I said I'm thinking about quitting. Gotcha. Again, like it would be tough to see you go, but uh, we'd figure something <laughs> out. I, I, think, I, feel, I feel confident that we'd figure something out in the interim. Uh, Chicago uh-huh. side, David Montgomery's gotten some, tar- uh, some run uh, in, in a few weeks. Huge here. buzz on David Montgomery. Don't want to interrupt you, but a guy that's really showing up high on Fanshare's buzz list. Uh, that was not on my personal radar, jumped 39 spots to the second overall slot tied with Devin Singletary in terms of overall buzz. Very cheap on both sites if you think he's that kind of player. Uh, good matchup. And uh, I don't know, is this a, a guy that you could feel okay with if he showed up in our cash game lineups? He's probably just too expensive for me, and I think I'm glad. Because okay. um, like I just... We've been. I think we had Devin Montgomery one week, um, and it just ended. It didn't end up. It was a London game, and we was game script sort of. Dep- I felt like he, he's still game script dependent, and that game script did not. It was against the Raiders, and that just didn't work out the way it was supposed to, I suppose. And so, uh, from that perspective, the fifty seven hundred on DraftKings, where he's not a huge, he's not factored a ton in the pass, passing game, and then the sixty four hundred on Fanduel. Excuse me, six, yeah, sixty four hundred on Fanduel. I think it's just. I think it's just expensive enough that I'm not going to have to do it, and. It wouldn't scare me if he was like an overwhelming chalk play. He's like not the kind of guy that I'd be too worried about. And he, you know, he has he scores touchdowns, and I get it. He has some big, big games in him. I just don't really totally see it uh, at these prices. Uh, but famous last words, and we'll see what happens. Uh, okay, let's go into the four o'clock games. We have the Rams go. No, excuse me. The Dolphins go in and play the Colts. Colts are ten and a half point favorites. I believe Brissett is going to play. He left the game early last week. He has not practiced. Um, doesn't seem like he's a guy that needs to practice in order to play here. Also, not totally sure he needs to play because the Dolphins are terrible and the Colts seem to have a game plan and are a pretty good team. What do we do with the Colts? Because we wanted to target guys against the Dolphins basically all season long. They're huge favorites at home. Do we just have this as a Marlon Mack game? 24 carries. They lean on him, you know, depending on the quarterback play, and he's just the cash game play. Like, Where do we land with Mack? Uh, Ten and a half points, home favorite. Heavy usage guy, specifically in the run games, checks all the boxes for our system, at least for cash games. Yeah, I think this is a time where I could think about playing Marlon Mack. I've avoided it all season because, you know, all you need to do is look at the targets in the last two games and see what I'm talking about. He's got one target for 14 yards uh, in the last two games in spite of 20 carries a game in each of those. The floor is not very high because sometimes he turns his 18 to 20 carries into 50 to 80 yards. Doesn't necessarily always get in the end zone either. He's only got three touchdowns on the season. Although I think you could argue uh, that that number, you know, if, if they played out these previous eight games 50 times, you know, it's probably more like four or five touchdowns. Nonetheless, um, the fact that he's not going to really score through the air does limit him considerably. 
yeah, I could think about Marlon Mack. I mean, especially on DraftKings, I think where the price is a little bit more palatable. 7400 on FanDuel is a little bit of a tough pill for me to swallow, just in the interest of full disclosure there. I think, you know, if I'm comparing him straight up to someone like Devin Singletary, I'd rather play uh, Singletary for less. Uh, Mack, another guy who's climbing up the buzz charts here. I I don't know. It's it's not a name I would be excited excited to roster, even in the best possible matchup, but I could see doing it just given how kind of uncertain this week is and the general lack of punts overall. Uh, I think I'm with you there too. Uh, you know, we've ha- depending on T.Y. Hilton's status, it doesn't look like Hilton's going to play. We had like we almost took a flyer on Zach Pascal last week just because um, they were going to be short on just short overall pass receivers. I don't think I'd want to do that in this game. I think they're just going to try to get out of this game with a win against the Dolphins and call it a day. Pascal did lead the team in targets with six, had five catches for 76 yards and a touchdown. The other guys, Chester Rogers, they all, all the pass catchers kind of got touchdowns. Chester Rogers caught a touchdown. Doyle caught a touchdown. Um, but again, I'm not sure about the Brissett thing. On the Dolphins side, they did get their first win of the season. They are going to be without, I believe Preston, yeah. I believe Preston Wilson is out for the season. Um, I think they put him on injured reserve. Um, this is not a good matchup. Though. Preston Williams, you mean? Uh, sorry, Preston Williams. Um, the uh, He had nine targets last week, but again, I think he's on IR. And they also lost Mark Walton because he got suspended for, I think, PEDs or something like that. So now they just have Kalen Balazs. Uh, any interest in any of these Dolphins? I, I, it's crazy to say it, but some of these guys have turned in, like, you know, they had three passing touchdowns last week against the Jets. Uh, Williams had 72 yards and two touchdowns. Devontae Parker threw in a touchdown at 57 yards. Uh, Mark Walton did carry the ball 12 times. Balage had seven. Figures to be factored in. The, I can't believe I'm naming this many Dolphins here. Any interest here? Any interest <laughs> yeah, here? Yeah. Any interest here in, in, in all the Dolphins? Yeah, I, don't, I actually don't think it's insane to think about Devontae Parker in particular. Uh, Parker's a guy who came into the season with pedigree and... I don't know that you're excited about it. Again, like if DJ Moore is the bar, then you're not going to play Devontae Parker. But if you're like, hey, man, you know, I'm actually in the market for multiple wide receivers under 6,000 with Williams going out of things or going out of the lineup, this could really be a pretty interesting spot, right? I I don't, yeah, like uh, Indianapolis, they're 18th overall in terms of defense against the pass. Like, Miami's not a good offense, but they have to run 40 plays a game, right? So Parker already sort of had a high floor in the last three weeks, two touchdowns in the last three weeks. I don't know, man. I could think about a little Devontae Parker. Yeah, like I said, Kalen Blash is another guy. Like This team is such a mess. But Parker at 4,800, I can probably talk myself into it as a, yeah, I can bite that as a tournament upside play. Blash, if he's the only running back, like you heard they didn't even like sign, like we're going to bring anyone in. He's 3,800 on DraftKings. I don't know. Like it's, nah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> he says it doesn't matter. I don't know. He's like 4,600 on Vandal. He's showing up sort of in and around some of our lands. I don't think that's going to be ultimately where we land. But I just, I'm mostly bringing it up because I was like shocked when I even saw what I thought was correct opportunity for him with all the downgrades that he's going to get for their team being terrible. The fact that he was still creeping around was sort of just like maybe, I don't know, my ears perked up a little bit, but not in a great way. All right, Rams go in and play the Steelers. Excuse me, yeah, Rams go in and play the Steelers as three-and-a-half-point road favorites. This game started at 45 over-under. is now down to 43-and-a-half. The big news for the Rams side is that Brandon Cooks is going to miss time. Brandon Cook's mm. career might be in jeopardy. He's had a lot of concussions. Uh, not sure exactly what's happening with him. So sort of like in that Sterling Shepard vein uh, that we might not see Brandon Cooks again with these concussions. I'm just not positive. No matter what, he's not going to play this week. Where do we want to go in the targets for the Rams? Do we want to just keep Cup sort of in the same territory because we've seen the ability to get Josh Reynolds involved? Like this has sort of happened before. Robert Woods has shown the ability at times to be a volume guy. They will throw the running backs as well. 
or is this a time where they you know sort of lean more on Cooper Cup? What are your thoughts here on the Rams passing game? Yeah, I mean, they usually start and stop with Cooper Cup. I mean, the guy put up 220 yards and a touchdown last week against Cincinnati uh, on only 10 targets. I mean, 10 targets is still plenty, but the fact that he showed that electric yards upside is pretty reassuring. I mean, it's easy to forget after two pretty lackluster games, one in a really tough matchup against San Francisco and then one in a great matchup against Atlanta. But prior to that, he was on a Mike Evans-level tear, right? I mean, he had 12, 15, and 17 targets in the prior game. So I think it's not unreasonable to speculate that with Cooks going out of the lineup, the Cup could see pretty outsized target share here. Yeah, he's one of those ones like he falls into this group of Michael Thomas, Michael uh, Mike Evans, Cooper Cup, Julio Jones, Devonta Adams. Like there's just a ton of volume receivers that you can consider in cash this week. But these guys are yeah. not usually where we want to go stacking them across the board because running backs are typically safer. This might He's run out of money. This yeah. might be the week though. I mean, but outside after McCaffrey, if you feel like you can save it all at running back. All the, these wide receivers, almost to a man, are in good spots this week, and they. Just well, that, that's why I actually I'm even more down on a play like Marlon Mack, where I'm I feel like I'm spending up a little bit for a guy who has, in my mind, relatively similar safety to someone like Singletary or even David Montgomery, because I know that it's going to cost me one of these big name wide receivers that's arguably too cheap, and then that's going to have to bring me down to a wide receiver that's going to be a significantly less safe. So I think if I'm going to get uncertainty at running back anyway, I'll just as soon pay less so I can get more certainty and more upside at wide receiver. Uh, on the Steelers side, James Conner could play here. Uh, we need to wait on some injury stuff for there. I'm going to hold out any notes here on that because we're just unclear um, what the running back situation is going to be. I think it's just going to be too muddy to really even figure out. It kind of got muddied even last week. Jalen Samuels caught a ton of balls, but then Trey Edmonds ran the ball a little bit. So I that's the situation, especially as underdogs, that I'm probably going to want to avoid. Final game, Carolina goes in and plays Green Bay. Green Bay, five-and-a-half-point home favorites here. Um, we talked about Christian McCaffrey as being basically game script independent. doesn't really matter which way the Panthers are going in a game. He's going to be involved, uh, much to our chagrin. We did fade him in cash last week uh, and paid the price. I don't know if we're going to make that mistake again, although this is not also not really where we typically want to roster running backs as big-time underdogs with a pretty low total. McCaffrey does seem to be the outlier in that case. And we talked about DJ Moore uh, at length as well as it's probably going to be a pretty chalk play. What about the Green Bay side? They really struggled last week. They got Devontae Adams back, uh, but the team as a whole just couldn't get a single thing going. Do you see this as a bounce back place for them? People have wanted the player in Jones in the past. Um, you know, Adams is still a pretty nice price for a guy who saw 11 targets. Give me your final thoughts here on the Green Bay Packers. I think if I'm going to play any Packers, it's probably just going to be Devontae Adams. Um, the fact that he played 83% of the offensive snaps last year, did get those 11, or last year, last week, uh, the fact that he turned that into 11 targets, just 41 yards, that's not not incredible, but uh, the word out of Green Bay camp is that he didn't have any setbacks in spite of being limited in practice this week. Uh, that seems like more of like a management thing, and I think Adams is very well positioned to step back into the full role at some point in the very near future. Of course, the issue is that Carolina is a very good defense. Um, you know, they've been a top five team in terms of DBOA against the pass all season long. Um, just a top five defense in general at some points. And I don't know that you want to go whole hog here, especially after Rodgers shown that he he's certainly capable of a disappearing act, right? So uh, yeah, Adams definitely playable for me. I'd have to really sit with it and think about, you know, who I would want to take him over. Because, you know, like I said, we have a lot of great wide receivers. In essentially this exact price tier between Thomas Jones, Adams Cup, and Evans. And I don't know if he's one of the top 
two realistically that you can pull out of that group but i also wouldn't be afraid of it if we did go in that direction especially on DraftKings, where i think the the target upside is very very real so yeah adam's playable the rest of the Packers, I don't think so. Yeah, sub-7,000 on DraftKings. I think it's a pretty safe zone for him. Yeah, even pretty though, darn attractive. Yeah, it's, it's a bad cornerback matchup for him. But again, um, at times, just the usage over will, will trump even that uh, the Bradbury kind of Johnson thing that they're going to see out of the cornerbacks. All right, we're going to get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is a site. DFSR.com slash deals will get you started on that uh, free seven-day trial to our projection system that we've been mentioning all throughout the podcast. Optimal lineups for FanDuel, DraftKings, NFL, NBA as well, NHL. It's all covered under one package. You're not going to find a better deal in the industry. Uh, that's really, that's how you can support us. Go over and sign up for that free trial. If you don't even want to do that, just go and rate and review the podcast. We appreciate that. The numbers have gone nothing mm. but up every single week for the podcast in such an encouraging way. So uh, shout out to our friends over at Overtime Media, of course, and just shout out to everyone who consistently listens. We always hear great feedback from the podcast. And it makes it a lot easier to wake up and do these podcasts because uh, uh, for a while we were like, oh, you know, you know, is the podcast worth it? Is the podcast worth it? I think we can finally say the podcast is definitively worth it and mostly because we've just the feedback that we've gotten for everyone. So much appreciated. Rate and review it if you haven't done it already. Sign up for that free seven-day trial. Those are the ways you can support the DFSR family. Buddy, enjoy your week 10 in the NFL. Peace.